good morning to everybody. Um, my name is Ronnie Qualls. We haven't been here in a while. I'm going to need some prayers today. Um, you run off, you get in a hurry, you're running late, and you're trying to gather things up, and uh, I get all the way over here, and I realize uh, I forgot my glasses. They're just reading glasses, but usually I'll have a pair in every car. Well, guess what? I don't have any glasses in any car. I got two vehicles here and no glasses, so this could be fun. Um, this morning, um, something that's been pressing on my heart for several weeks now, uh, you know, I've been, I've been telling you we've been going through the names of God and the last time I preached, we didn't do that, and we're not going to this time either. I, I do hope to get back there, but I, I really feel something pressing. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Psalm 127 this morning. And while you're turning there, I'm going to go ahead and read this. It's five verses. It says, Unless the Lord builds the house... Those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain that you rise up early and go to late and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. And blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Father, this morning I just pray, God, that I pray for clarity. I pray, I pray that you would be glorified in, in the word this morning. I so much am in need of your grace right now. Father, please give me the words to speak. In Jesus' name, amen. The 127th Psalm. If you're going to title this sermon today, it's going to be called Children Are a Heritage from the Lord. In our church that we have right here, we have a lot of children, don't we? There's times when we have a visitor come in, and I'll say, I just want to warn you, we have a lot of children, and we don't really have a lot of room, a lot of places to put them. There are people who struggle with going to a church where there's a lot of children similar to our children. We got some active, lively little people, don't we? Do we believe that children are heritage from the Lord? I'm going to get into this psalm, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, so we're going to we're going to look at this. Psalms starting in 120 all the way to Psalm 134 is what these psalms are called songs of ascent or song of ascents. And that ascent means ascending. And, and what it is, there was three times in the year 
that these these songs would be saying and they were at the uh the feast of unleavened bread the feast of harvest and the feast of tabernacles and and this is the picture you get now the reason when you read in the scriptures in america when we say we'll say we're going down to texas or up to kansas right because it's based on north and south that's the way i do it i think it's the way most people do it but when you'll read in the scriptures, it would, they would be in Galilee, which is north of Jerusalem. But it would say they're going up to Jerusalem. Well, what it's talking about is elevation. Jerusalem was 2,700 feet above sea level. And so they were ascending up to Jerusalem in these times of worship. That's what it means. They were ascending up. And as they were on their journey... They would sing these psalms. They were, they were worshiping, going to worship at certain times of the year. Now, interestingly enough, most of these, these from 120 to 134, most of them were written by David. There's a couple. They don't know who written them. But in Psalm 127, this one was written by Solomon. And it's going to be very fitting that it's written by Solomon. And because it starts off, it says, unless the Lord builds the house. What is Solomon famous for? Building the house of the Lord, right? The temple. And so just try to picture this, if you will, that as, as, there, as these families, families are ascending, they're going up to Jerusalem to worship. They're going up. And you can just see these songs starting. And I don't, I don't know if I'd have to go back and look and see the order. You know, I don't know if they did it one at a time. But I can almost picture, I can, well, I can picture this in my mind, that as they're ascending up and they see the city and they see the temple, that they start singing this psalm, unless the Lord builds the house. I want to talk about that today. Just to give you a background of what was going on. He starts off and he says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. And then he says, Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. And it is vain for you, it is vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved Sleep. Now, there's three things in there that the Lord demonstrates to us, and it is this. The Lord is the architect. He is the builder. The Lord is the one who watches over his people, and the Lord is the one who provides. And so, when we look at these things, you see this. He says, unless the Lord builds the house, well, you get this picture that you know, just, just as much as when Solomon was building the temple, it says that he built it according to the way the Lord told him to. Everything was measured and put in place just as God had instructed him to build it. It took seven years in the building, but they did it exactly the way the Lord told them to. Now, church, listen to me. After this temple was built, there was a time that it got destroyed. They went into captivity. And God told them to go back and, and build it again, right? 
and he, and, he, and he was supplying all the material. And then once again, as they built it, the reason they were able to go back, you go back in, uh, I think it's in, in Ezra, I believe, and he talks about he put it in the heart of King Cyrus to go and, and build the house of the Lord again. Listen, folks, if they're trying to build that back up and God's not in it, it ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. Now look at this. He, the next thing he says is this. He says, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. There was a time in Nehemiah, you got Ezra building the temple, you got Nehemiah building the, the wall around the city. There was a time when there was a, some guys, one's name was Sanballat, one's name was Tobiah. It seemed like there was a third guy, but... They were the enemies to the work of the Lord, and they were trying to stop the building of the wall. And there's a picture that you get in here. Nehemiah found out what their, their plan was to destroy it, and, and then he, he prays. God shows him what's going to happen, and, and Nehemiah sets a plan into action. And he would have half the people building the wall, and he would have half the people sitting there ready for war. He had, some, he had half the people watching, half the people building. Once again, the emphasis is put on the fact that God was the architect, not only of the building of it, but how they did it, how they operated while they built it. And then the third thing he says, he said, it's, it's vain that you rise up early. He says that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. He says, for he gives to his beloved sleep. In, uh, in the book of Haggai, in the first chapter, this is a time that 16 years after that they went into Jerusalem under the direction of King Cyrus, who was a pagan king, who God said was his servant. God had prophesied him by name that he was going to use him to rebuild the temple after 70 years of captivity. And then a new power rises up, Artaxerxes. And, and enemies come and they say, these, these Jews, we know about them, they're rebellious. They're going to build this up. Then they're, they're going to pull away and they're going to fight against you. And Artaxerxes was like, well, we got to stop this work. And they stopped it. And all the Jews who were in Jerusalem, they stopped building the temple of the Lord. Now listen to me. They stopped building the house of the Lord. And they started focusing on their own houses. And they're still in captivity in a time that God had told them, go to Jerusalem and build my house. And yet, all they're doing is they're making their houses, their personal homes, look beautiful. And the scripture says, let me just go over and read it, because I'll, I'll mess it up. But I want you to listen to this. Haggai says this. He says, thus says the Lord, this is verse, chapter 1, verse 2. He says, thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. And then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet, 
And he said, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now he says, now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, I want you to consider your ways. He said, you sow much and you harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm He who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. What did he just say? He says, it's vain that you rise up early, that you go to bed late. What's he talking about, church? How many of us are sitting here just fretting and we're worried how we're going to provide, how we're going to make ends meet? And we, well, if I can start earlier, if I can stay late, if I can do one more day, if I can do this, and no matter how hard we try sometimes, it feels like we're taking all our money and we're putting it into a bag and that bag's got a hole in it. He said in Haggai, he said, consider your ways. Consider your ways. Now, I've preached a lot of sermons out of the 127th Psalm before. And most of the time, it was just the first part. Unless the Lord builds the house, they that labor in vain, they labor in vain that build it. Well, I think there's a little more to this psalm. I don't know if the focus really is so much about building a house as far as a house. The summary of the first two verses is simply this. God is sovereign over building. God is sovereign over watching. And God is sovereign over providing. Now, here's the thing. You get into the third verse, and it's like he changes subjects on you, right? He says, Behold, children are heritage from the Lord. I don't think there was a subject change. I think we have Solomon who wrote this psalm, the wisest man who ever lived outside of Christ. And I think he's given us a picture. And no doubt, do not misunderstand me. Yes, God was the architect of the house of the Lord. He's the one who who watched over. He's the one who provides. But I think when he says, behold, I think it's like he's saying, look, Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Now, keep in mind, you're going up the song of ascent. You're singing this to the Lord in worship with your family. Your husband, your wives are with you, your children. And you're all singing this song as you're ascending up to Jerusalem. That Unless the Lord builds the house... And then we get down to this middle part of the song. And he says, Behold, children are heritage from the Lord. That's our inheritance. It's an inheritance the Lord gives to people. It's like saying, here's a gift, here's a blessing that I'm going to gift you or bless you with. And he says, he says, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Man, 
You remember the you remember the first child? You remember when that time came and you took the little test and it came out with a plus sign? Man, you were excited, wasn't you? We're going to have a baby. You get to go tell your parents, we're going to have a baby. Parents are really excited. We're going to have a baby. God says it's a reward. I want to ask you a question, church. So much of the time when somebody says, hey, we're going to have a baby, what do people sometimes act like? Oh, really? Is this something y'all wanted? Right? I, I see couples getting married. I don't know if I was one of these or not. I don't really remember. If I was, I wasn't very good at it. We're going to get married. We want to wait several years before we have children. Um, if you ain't ready to have children, you ain't ready to get married. That's part of the thing. Okay? That's kind of a tough saying, and you may not like me for that, but it's something to think about. Listen, children are not... Listen, I want to ask you something. Do you see children as a blessing, or do you see them as a burden? Because God says they are a blessing. Now listen to me. I'm going to, go th- I'm going to, I'm going to come back to that. He says, the fruit of the womb, a reward. And then he says this. He says about children, he says, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Now what does that mean? It, as arrows in the hand of a, of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Because listen, he says, blessed is the man... Who fills his quiver with them, he shall not be put to shame when he speaks with the enemies in the gate. Now, what is he saying? Especially in these times right here, he said, "Your ch- I, I've, I've, I've misinterpreted that so much of the time. I, I've said, you know, like, we're to shoot them out there. You know, that's not really what that means right there. Okay." It may apply a little bit, but that ain't really what that's saying. What he's saying was, in those days, as a man and a, and a wife, if they had a lot of children, when it talks about this guy sitting at the gates, that when his enemies came, you know, it says, uh, he says, man has a, his quiver full. He said, he'll not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. In those days, the gate was the place of commerce, trade, business. It was also a place where the elders of the city would sit at this gate, and when foreigners would come, they didn't just walk in. You had to, like, what's your business here? What's the reason you've came? I mean, are you, you, got, you, know, are you here on good business, or is there something bad going on? And so these elders, now picture this. You've got this older man who's had quite a few children, maybe 12, 13 children or so, and somebody comes, and he's got his two sons with him. He says, well, we're here for this, and we're, you know, we, we mean business. And this elder of the city says, well, I don't think we let you in. He goes, well, me and my sons are coming in. And then all of a sudden, these 12 or 13 sons walk up and go, we don't think you are. Just as much as, as arrows to a warrior meant defense, protection, when you're in the time of battle, a man who had a lot of children... It was the same type of principle. 
There was defense. There was protection. Matter of fact, they even cared for them in their older years. It was a blessing. Children were a blessing. The time that we live in, it's not really taught like that, is it? It's not really taught like that. We have two or three kids. Somebody has four, five, six, seven, eight. They've lost their mind, right? That, that's Listen, that, that's the way people think. What do you see in these three verses? Verse 3, what's it saying? You know what it's saying? The Lord is the one who builds the house. In verse 4, the Lord protects the home. In verse 5, the Lord provides. Children were, were, were given as a gift. I mean, we look at this and we say children are a gift. Well, how so? Just one thing to look at is this. It is through having children that a house or a home is built. Listen, if you are just married, I mean, the thing that you you should be longing for is, is that we have children to put around our table. Listen to what Psalms 128 says. He says in verse 3, he says, Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house, and your children will be like olive shoots around the table. Olive, all those things were, were a, a lot of things, and one of them was it was just a health. It's an awesome thing to have your children just gathered around your table. I look at Charla sitting there, and she has this, this look. I, one thing I can say about Charlie and Paul, they love their kids. They love their kids. Um... And it's, it's, it's an amazing thing that when we have our children all gathered around. You know, I used to, I mean, I used to, when I was a kid, matter of fact, next Sunday, we have a family reunion every year over here at Wintersmith Park. And my mom would call me and say, are y'all going to come? I'm like, ah, ah, I don't even know those people. You know what, the older I get, I see more and more of what she's talking about. Now I'm saying, hey, you're going to go. Well, I don't know them, Dad. I don't know them either. Just come and eat. Part of it is you, you feel blessed because God has given you a gift of your children. Now, let me make one thing clear, what I am not saying today. If someone does not have children, that does not mean... You are cursed. If there is a husband and wife who have not been able to have children, it does not mean that you are cursed and people with children are blessed. It does not mean if you have one child, you're less blessed than somebody with 13 children. That is not what we are talking about here today. We are talking about children our heritage from the Lord. I find it interesting that when Godwin came, the missionary in India, that when he came... What is, what is the game plan there? He said, we're trying to reach out to the children in order to share the gospel with them, teach them these, these impoverished kids. And when I say impoverished, like in poverty, it ain't just that they're in poverty. They are viewed as 
filth and scum of the world with no hope in this life of ever being anything other than a Dalit, which is the lowest in the caste system in India. And they're saying, we think you're valuable. We want to teach you. We want to love you. You are a gift. And I want, I want every child in here to know, old or young, you were given as a gift to your parents. You were given as a gift to your parents. My question to us, church, do we see our children as a blessing or a burden? Both? Sure. Let me, let me say something about a blessing, okay? With every blessing, there's a burden or there are trials. What do I mean? Well, a child in the womb, what a blessing. Having a child, burden, right? Having children, you get to show the family picture. We're all smiling. We all look good. Blessing. Raising the children. Trials. Marriage. Marriage is a blessing. Is the whole road just blessed? Or are there trials? What about being born again? A blessing. It is a blessed Thing to be a born again child of God. But in that, there is a road in front of us that is full of hard times, right? Our children are a blessing filled with hard times. Filled with, child, with hard times. Filled with wonderful times, joyous times, but also filled with trials along the way. Some of it is from illnesses. Some of it is from attitude. Some of it is from sin. I mean, there's a lot of things. So we need to know that with every blessing, there are burdens. And I don't know if that's the right word to use. I'm just using it because... I'm trying to be like those preachers that use the same letter for every word they use. It's about as good as I can do. So how do we raise them? Let's keep the principles in mind. The principles from Psalm 127. The Lord's the one who builds. The Lord's the one that watches over. The Lord is the one that provides. Do you, do you realize, you know, that when we look at our, our church, you know what our, our church is made up of? It's made of households. It's made up of homes. Now, yes, there are single people here. Some people at this point in their life, they're not married. Maybe God's called them to singleness. Maybe they just haven't found their companion yet, whatever it is. But generally speaking, it is household after household, and it's to be made up. And then you have a house of fellowship here made up of all these different groups, these different families. And so, so how do we raise them? Well, I'm just going to simply go to Ephesians chapter 6. And I'm going to say this, and I, I hope I can hold true to it. We, we preach for pretty lengthy times here a lot of times. I've gotten some complaints, 
I don't try to. It is not my goal to preach for an hour, Mo. That, that is not my goal. Really, what I try to go for is about 40, 45 minutes. I don't know what happens at the end, but, but it happens. But, but I want to say this. Not only do I want to keep it a little shorter than normal, just for the sake of not wearying people, but we have people over here watching little ones, our little ones, and they're like, wow, I thought that sermon never would end. Not that they thought it was a bad sermon. They didn't get to hear it. But listen, just trying to contain our two little guys, that's a job of all jobs. I can't imagine adding to it. So how do we raise our children? Ephesians chapter 6, and I'm just going to read verse 4. He says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, Nate was teaching on being angry today. He talked about, you know, going and getting a tool and bringing the wrong tool back. It was convicting me. I, I don't know why I think that. I don't, you know, Kyle is my son, and I, I don't know why I assume that he just knows what things are. I mean, I look back at my life. He, he is so much like me. I was, I remember standing in the lumber yard one time. <laughs> it's so embarrassing. I was not a carpenter. But there was this sign that up on the, the wall, you know, those little funny cartoons, and it said, there's three kinds of people. Those that make things happen, those that watch things happen, and those that wonder what happened. I thought, I'm that third guy. I never have a clue what we're doing. I'm just like, what are we doing? I wasn't even up to the watching capability. But far too many times, I say go do this, and it ain't done in the timely manner. It isn't done the way I wanted it, and I'm angry. And, I, and it's all based on my assumption that he should have known what I wanted. I told him to bring me a board one time. He's just a little kid. He had done construction. He didn't even want to be there. I remember it just seemed like it was forever, and I was like, where's the other? It was up on a walkboard, and I turned around, and there's a stick, a piece of board on my, on my walkboard. And I thought, how did that get there? And I thought, surely that is not what he brought me. I told him, I said, I have one board in my truck. It was a one-by-four. And he brought me this six-inch piece of a board. I was just like, Now, let me ask you something. Do you think if I ridicule him like I did, do you think that's going to encourage him as a young man? Do you think it's going to encourage him in the Lord at all? Or do you think it's going to make him angry? Being made fun of because I didn't know. And you know what the thing is? I've been in that same position so many times. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. But he says, 
discipline them. He says, discipline. He says, bring them up in the discipline of the Lord. The discipline. What what does that mean? Basically, that is basic. I mean, that is patiently training them. It is a continual going over the right things. It is amazing to me how that we just like, and fathers were really bad about this. I'm going to tell it one time, and you should get it because the instruction is very plain, it's very simple, and you just need to get it. And then the second time rolls around, we're just like, you got to be kidding me. I told you to make the loop over your thumb and then pull like this and then pull them tight. That's how you tie a shoe. What are you doing? No, discipline is in the Lord is just a content. Let me ask you something, church. How many times has the Lord had to patiently teach you over and over and over again? Let me give you an example. Chris, love your wife. What are you doing, Chris? That is not what I said to do. That is not what I've shown you to do. I said do it the way I did it. Chris, you're not listening again. I'm just picking on Chris. It's because he's sitting there. He's paying attention. Do you follow what I'm saying? It's patiently, it's lovingly training them over. When we went out to Don and Cindy's church, he told me about this young family. It's Don's co-elder. These guys are like 36 years old. And he says they got five little kids. And what was they, seven to one? We were amazed. Now, given there wasn't other little kids running around trying to encourage them to run around, but those little kids, they would say, no, you sit there and there and there, and I mean, boom, and they were just quiet. All I was just like, better not let these people come to our church. You know, Our kids will be ran over for one thing. But I said, what does he do? And he said, well, what he started doing was he set him down on the couch for five minutes. So we're going to sit here and be still and be quiet. And then he went up to ten minutes and so forth. And he had them sit there like, you know. And they have these things that he said that we, we train them at home. They do it over and over and over. They're disciplining them in the Lord. And then he says, bring them up in the instruction of the Lord. Now, I want you to remember something. It is the Lord who builds, it's the Lord who watches, and it's the Lord who provides, right? So when we're bringing them up in the instruction of the Lord, where do we go to to find out what that instruction is? Oprah? Dr. Phil? I mean, which, which channel do we go to? No, we don't go there at all. Now, are there solid, good Christian people who maybe have written books on how, you know, they, they said this is what we saw in the Scriptures, and they explain it, and, and it makes sense. We go, wow, I hadn't even thought of that. Yes, but primarily, folks, primarily, we go to the Word of the Lord. That's where we go. And I don't say primarily like, no, I'm, I'm saying above all other sources, we go and we look at how God 
has told us to build the house. Probably one of the best places, if you got your Bibles handy and you want to flip over to Deuteronomy 6 with me. This is a very famous passage. Uh, we're talking about raising children and how to do it. But you start in, in uh, chapter 6, and I'm going to pick up in verse 4. And it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. And then he says this, You shall teach them diligently to your children. Do it with diligence. I look at Dylan back there, and when I hear him talk about the conversations that he has with Julian, I feel convicted. I feel as I failed because he patiently, he says, yeah, we was talking to Julian the other day. And you know what I see coming out of Julian? I see the teaching that he's being taught. I hear it in, in what he says and such. And because I didn't patiently do the discipline, I get impatient. One time it goes well. We sit down and have family devotions. We're trying to talk to the kids, and, and it doesn't go well. It doesn't go well. It doesn't go well. And before long, I'm just ready to throw in the towel. To teach our children diligently, it means the discipline, the right teaching, and it's doing it over and over and over. And listen, church, you may not see the results immediately. Most likely, you won't. And why am I saying? See, we, we are so Americanized in our mind. We got that culture in our mind that anything we do, we're supposed to get immediate praise, immediate results, immediate satisfaction, or we're throwing it out. I was talking to Justin the other day about some of this stuff, and he says, even in his wildest days in college, when Wednesday night rolled around, it was always in his mind that this is the night I need to go to church. Whether he was going or not, there, it, was, it was instilled in him that this is what I need to be doing. Now, I want to do this, because one thing I, that I am not trying to do today, this is, not, this is not the heart of this message, this is not the goal, if you want to say it like that. We have a lot of children in this church and it is hard sometimes. Listen, mothers, I, I can sympathize. I know just from my part of having two little guys that sometimes I dread coming up here. Not because I don't want to come to church. I just don't want to have to deal with it. When we went to Gulf Shores, we didn't take the little guys. People would go, y'all taking Dustin? like, are you crazy? Now, there's a couple reasons. It's not that I don't want to take him on a vacation, but this was Kyle's senior trip. It was a time that we wanted to just focus on him and spend with him, okay? That was part of it. The other part was, like, are you crazy? 
We had to go to an alumni banquet last night, and we just had Dustin with us, and the superintendent and his wife was sitting there, and they had gone to the Gulf Shores with us, and we were with them. And I said, in this line from here to getting the food, you're going to see a small sample of why they didn't go. And Dustin's like, he's running around. He's under the table. I mean, it's just like, oh, my gosh. So is it tough? Yes, it's tough. Are there times you've probably broke down crying? Probably so. Children are a gift from God. Your children are a blessing from the Lord. Your children are a heritage from God. In that blessing, there's going to be trials. Listen to me, church. Let me finish this. He says, I want you to teach diligently your children. I want you to talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets on your, between your eyes. You shall write them between the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham and Isaac and to Jacob to give you, with great cities that you did not build, basically saying you'll be able to share these things with your children, but I want you to be teaching them about me. I want you to teach what I've done. I want you to teach them what I'm doing, and I want you to teach what's going to happen. Diligently. It is something that we continually work on. And most of the time, we feel like we have failed. Most of the time, we probably have failed. I want to encourage you. Do not worry about a crying baby. Yes, I know that's easy said. I deal with those guys. Listen, listen to this. Children are God's tool. They're an awesome tool that God uses to teach us as we teach them. Now think about this. I can remember Kyle was, he had to be maybe two years old. He wasn't a good walker. I mean, he just started walking. Me and Randy decided we're living in Montana. We're going to, we're going to hike to Mystic Lake. It's a three-and-a-half or four-mile hike. And we just have Kyle, man. We backpacking him, but Kyle wants to walk. All he's got to do is stay on the path. It's pretty simple where you're supposed to walk. But as I'm just, I'm just right behind him doing this. All I can think of is this is no doubt how the Lord is with me. It's like he's saying, Ron, here's the here's the trail. It's right here. What are you doing over there? And if I tried to, you know, hold his hand, boy, he didn't want that. And then he fell. He still got a scar on his lip. And I promise you, there wasn't, another, there wasn't an animal left on that mountain. He screamed so loud, everything had to run. It was a pretty bad fall. And all I could think about was I thought, if you would have just held my hand, you wouldn't have fell. How many times have you sat your child down and go, 
Why didn't you just do what I told you to do? And as you're saying it, your voice is getting quieter, like I tease Nate of doing, because all of a sudden you can hear them words echoing back in your ears from the Lord. I want to address some things here. Crying. Children crying. When a baby's born, it's an awesome sound, right? Three in the morning for the 30th night in a row, not so awesome of a sound. You know why they're crying? They're crying out to you, the one that God has given this gift to, to care for. Listen to me, church. If you don't answer the cries of your children, somebody else is going to. It is hard. It is a trial at 3 in the morning when it's been going on. Tyler looks at me the other day and he goes, I mean, this face, this is a kid who trains like, oh, I go swim like 100 yards. I'll go run a lap around the block and ride a bicycle and fall over. And I'm going to go do a mini triathlon and finish this really good. He's like, no problem. He looks at me after Benjamin was like a month old and he's going, you don't understand. I'm not where you're at, but I understand. Night after night. Not too many things as frustrating as a baby crying, maybe hurting, and you're bouncing, you're doing whatever. I remember one night with Courtney, I mean, I was up, I was letting Randy sleep, and I was up, and I was tired, and I was I was getting mad, and... And I just remember, I just, I was, I'm going to bounce on the edge of this bed. And I'm going to, I started counting. I counted to 500. She's still, I thought, she's got to be asleep. I mean, it's almost like a crying beg, please, she's got to be asleep. I leaned back, and her eyes were like this, and she's staring right at me. It didn't make me go, yes, Lord, what a gift. I was like, <laughs> stay with the course. God has given you your children as a gift, as a blessing. Keep bringing them to the house of the Lord. Instruct you. Let their lives, let, your, let that right there be a teaching that when the people of God meet, that's where I'm going to be. If your children, it's It's incredible. Russell Moore talks about when he adopted his two little boys from Russia. He said the most eerie sound that he's ever not heard was that in that orphanage, the babies didn't cry. You know why they didn't cry? Because they had learned that nobody's coming. Can you imagine a whole orphanage of babies and none of them are crying? We wonder when we get older, when we... When we get older and we want to have conversations with our children and they're not talking to us but they'll talk to everybody else sometimes we're so focused on doing the work of the Lord that we don't have time for them that is your first work I read about missionaries and I'm, I'm, I'm troubled I'm not one of these guys that just goes Whoa, these guys were so awesome. Everything they did was right. I hear about these missionaries. They would go to Africa or India or China, 
and they would ship their children back home, maybe due to hardness, hardships, maybe just, you know, they just got to do the work of the Lord, and other people raise them. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't agree with that. I don't care if your name's Hudson Taylor, C.T. Studd. I don't care who it was. And maybe it wasn't them guys, but I don't care how popular, how big-time ministry you had. In my estimation, they failed in raising their children. That's not saying that God didn't still work in those people's lives. But God gave you your children to raise. Another thing is this. You love your children or others will. When I'm talking about loving them, I'm talking about not just doing the things. I'm not just talking about, you know, I gave you all these things. I'm talking about, listen, what, what is it your children want? What is they want? I mean, what do you hear, Brooke? Mama, 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 mama. It's like, oh, my gosh. Right? Just stop for a second. Just stop. Just look around. Just look around at the children. When our friends Jack and Tracy Burwell, Jack is a... He's a listen. I love Jack Burwell. He's one of my best friends. But there was a time. There, there's been several times in his life. <laughs> Hope you don't hear this. But he can he can be pretty miserable. He 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 focuses so much on serving the Lord and wanting to serve the Lord, and he wants everybody to come along with him. And he was going through a time in his life when everybody hated him. I mean, every church member, his wife, his kids, and he knew it. And this is what happened. They came to our house, and him and Tracy was just like newlyweds, man, in love. Just, you know, I was like, brother, stop all that, you know. I mean, and his, with his kids, he was being tender. I mean, I was like, man, who has taken over your body? And I asked him. We was out working, and I said, what in the world happened? And he said, man, I was miserable. He said, I realized I hated everybody, and everybody hated me. And he said he just broke. And he said, all I know to do is go to the, the starting point. And I need to love the people that I should be loving most. And he just started loving his wife and his children. Folks, listen, we, we are in a busy world. We're going here. We're going there. We're doing all these things. And, we're, and, and, and in that, we're trying to do all these things for our children and the, the best thing that you can give them is just stop and slow down and just listen to them. Get down on the floor and wrestle with them. Get, take that time to do whatever it is. And I'm, listen, I'm not saying you've got to have balance to everything. You can't spend your whole life wrestling on the living room floor. You can't, it doesn't work that way. But if we're constantly putting them in front of the television, if we're constantly putting them with the babysitter or in the daycare or whatever, listen, if you don't love your children, then somebody else will. And we're going to go, I don't know why they join that gang. I don't know why they don't believe in God. Because somebody came along and showed them attention and some form of love, and it won their heart. Instruct them. Instruct them or others will. And those two things, to love them and instruct them, it kind of goes hand in hand. And I just want to tell you this. 
Think about this for a moment. There's not a person in this building, I believe with all my heart, that if we said, do you all think abortion is okay? Absolutely not. We, we think it's absolutely horrible, wicked, it's evil, it's sin, it's of the devil. But abortion is what? It's, it's to abort something, right? How many times do we find that we just, I don't have time for you, so I'm just going to push you over here so I can have some me time. <laughs> me time. I don't even know what that is anymore. <laughs> me time. When me and Randy got the boys, we found that we didn't have no me time or we time. We were frustrated. It didn't seem like anybody understood. It seemed like people were looking at us like, boy, they don't know how to do it. Everything wasn't really going the way we would want it to go. And I was praying one day about it, and, and this, this is, what, this is what, how I felt like the Lord answered me. I feel like he said, I don't think you've learned how to die to self yet. See, the idea of, of having foster children is a good thought. People come to me, this is an awesome thing you're doing. I mean, they're just like, you know, this is, uh, God's got a special place for you. Okay, God doesn't have a special place because you do foster care, okay? But the reality of it is this. When you look at it as a, an idea and you hear testimonies of somebody who was raised in foster care and there's this awesome testimony, that and that is just awesome. It's that in-between part that doesn't feel so awesome. It doesn't feel that way. And so what happens is you, want, you just want to escape. And yes, you do need that time. I'm not saying that it should never come. This is where husbands got to be looking at their wives and saying, man, she, she's with them all day. I need to give her some time. Just, hey, go out and take a walk. Go out and pray. Go to, just go, you know, something. Just, you need to do that, men. If, you, if you're not recognizing it, recognize it. But what we don't want to do is we don't want to just be pushing them in front of the TV. We don't want to be pushing them off on everybody else. Your children, that's, that's one of your mission fields. We're to make disciples. It goes back to the diligently teaching them, instructing them. Your, your little children around you are a mission field. And I'm going to tell you this. For those of you that have children, and I'm talking about from the age of zero to about 18, 19 years old, I can't emphasize this enough. Your time is short. I remember having Courtney, and I can remember my mom telling me over and over, treasure this time because Ron is going to go by so fast that's just like man she just keeps harping on that thing ain't going by fast I'm going to tell you this time is short you're only going to have those little guys for just a few years and, and you're so busy and, and there's so many things going on and and before you know it, you're going to blink and they're going to be graduating. 
I'm going to share something with you to emphasize how children are a gift. About a month ago, month maybe a little bit over that, somewhere in that time frame, I get a text from my oldest daughter. She says, Dad, when you get time, could you call me? I don't remember how it went, but anyway, I, I gave her a call, and I said, what's on your mind? And she says, well, I just want to say something. She said, I've been praying about this, and uh, she says, and I want, to tell, I want to talk to you about something. She asked me to read something before that, too, and then she, she said, would you be in prayer? And I knew something was up. And she starts talking to me, and she said, Dad, she said, it looks like you're angry all the time. You're angry with the boys. You're angry with Kyle. She said, you don't just talk to him ever. It's like every time you say something, you're just, you start off angry. And I'm going to be honest, that's the way I felt. And it was so prevalent in my life that a bunch of you probably seen it when I would come into church. I, I mean, I, I came in ready for war with them. I was already agitated. But let me tell you something. When it's your, when it's your daughter telling you, Dad, you need help. She said, you know, you and Mom did the best you could with the teaching we had and all that stuff, and I really don't even accept that, okay? I don't even, I'm not saying I don't accept what she said. I don't accept the excuse of, well, we was in a crazy church and, you know, we'll excuse ourselves. The problem is so much of the time, church, what we're doing is we're only comparing ourselves to everybody around us. If we're doing better than them, we think we're doing a fantastic job. And that's pretty much where me and my wife were, where we, where we raised our children. We were doing better than most everybody else. And she said, Dad, these, these, these two guys here, they're not like us in their personality and their nature. And your John Wayne approach doesn't work with them. Church, it was tough. Part of me was hurt. Part of me was frustrated. Part of me was angry. But I had to sit there and take it. And she was, I could, I could picture her face because I know her. I know her chin was quivering. I, her voice was shaky. It was cracking. She got through. And I wanted to defend myself. About all I could say is I said, I, I really can't argue with what you're saying. And it's probably worse than even you know. I'm telling you today, your time is short, and you can either listen to this today, and it can just be a sermon that was on Sunday morning, it can be a good sermon, it can be a bad one, whatever, and you can go your way, but I'm telling you this, it will be no time, and your children will be gone. And it's not to say that as, as children become grown-ups and they're on their own, that God does not stop working in their lives from maybe the errors that you taught them. But it is saying this. When you run this race right here, you need to keep in mind that it is the Lord 
who's building your house? Are you building it the way He's told you to? You can try to protect and watch over your children the best you can, but if you're not submitting to the Lord, what are you warning them from? And you can worry and you can fret and you can stress out and you can eat that bread of that worrisome life and you can go to sleep at night and you won't even get any rest or you can be going through these things and doing everything right and even though it may not be looking right, you can lay down on that bed at night and you can get sleep because God will give you rest because you are trusting in Him in the building of your home. I thought I was going to maybe go to another place, but I don't think I will. I don't think I have time today. I want you today at some time, I want you just to stop and I just want you to look at your children. And it might be when they're throwing a fit. And I want you to look at your children and I want you to say, God has blessed me. God has given me an inheritance. For those of you that don't have children, or maybe your children are grown or whatever. I just want to say this to you. It's easy to get frustrated with everybody else's kids. It's easy to sit back and go, wow, they're the worst parents I think I've ever seen. I mean, everybody else can see what that kid was doing, but they're just oblivious. We had a young man and his wife come to church with us over in Stratford one time. It was unbelievable how bad they were. This man was both. He said, you know, I don't even notice it anymore. We was like, we noticed like, wow, that's amazing. The gift God has given you to block that out. It's like blocking out a tornado. Okay. We're going to have all kinds of people. We're going to have all kinds of children. And these children are a gift. They're a gift to each of you as mothers and fathers in your homes. And they're a gift and a blessing to our fellowship here. That is what our children are. And I think maybe my fearful thing is I have to come back and kind of reset and do a refocus and start looking at my children through the lens of Scripture. It, it, it does not work just because you're a Christian and because you bring them to church and you believe right doctrine that that translates into I'm doing, I'm instructing and raising and diligently teaching my children the way God has told me to. I got up this morning, I left all my notes and everything out on the table, and I seen where Dustin took my red pen and put a few of his own notes on my paper. I was just like, I thought, what? How fitting. How fitting. Worship, do y'all have another song, Tim? Y'all can come on up. If y'all would, would y'all stand? We'll sing this last song. I'm going to pray. Father, I, I pray today, God, that you would...
you would die. God, please help us. Help us, Lord, to rejoice with our wives and the children you've blessed us with. God, let us be thankful today. Just thankful for the crying of a baby. That we're able to hold them. Because we're not promised that we'll have them forever. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name.